0: Uh, welcome back everybody stacks of cash podcast great to be here with everybody today we have a special guest with us seth Depork, founder and owner of southeastern mortgage solutions been in the business for at least 20 years and given the fact that David and I spend so much time talking about interest rates, and since it's such a hot topic, we thought we'd invite Seth in today to talk a little bit about the mortgage business. Thank you very welcome, much. Welcome, welcome, Seth.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Absolutely. So one of the things that's on our mind, uh, obviously this is a hot topic. Rates have gone up quite a bit. I don't know, three, 400 basis points at least over the last couple of years, Seth. When somebody comes to your office, we're going to jump right into it. When someone comes into your office and they're looking for advice on how to handle the current housing market and the mortgage rate market, what, what are the things that you ask them? What are you looking for and how are you guiding them?
1: Well, the first thing is that they normally come to me and they want to know what they qualify for. and so And so I have to figure out what they qualify for. But the main thing is what they qualify for and what they're comfortable paying on a monthly basis can often be very, very different. So we will sit there and I will immediately analyze whether it's salary or self-employment, tax returns, whatever it might be. I can come to an income calculation pretty quickly. I can get an idea of monthly debt just with a conversation. I don't need to run anyone's credit report in order to do that. And I can figure out what they actually qualify for. Oftentimes, that's more than what they're comfortable paying. So the first thing we always try to do is figure out what's their hot button. Is it a monthly payment? Is it amount of money they want to put into a deal? I need to know, like, is this a three-year play, five-year play? Do you have kids in kindergarten, and are you moving into a school district that has a great high school district, and you plan to be there for 12 to 15 years? The answers to the advice that I can give often is based on the answers they give me on the front-end questions that I ask them. Every deal is a little different. We want to understand the client, understand their needs, before we start advising.
2: Seth, so Jay and I have been talking a nauseum about interest rates, as he mentioned. Um, and a lot of what we talk about is the effect that those interest rates have on the real estate market. So in the past couple of years, how has your business changed from being in a low interest rate environment to now a much higher interest rate environment over the last 18 months or so?
1: Great question. So COVID hit, interest rates began to decline. A lot of businesses were shut down. People were at home. I was at home working remotely and locking in every human being I talked to on a refi. So our business in 21 and 20, most first part of 22, but back half of 20, all of 21 and the first half of 22 was very much weighted towards refi. I would say probably three out of four, 75% of our business was refi business currently completely switched now we're doing i would say almost 90 percent of our volume is purchase business um those that need to refi though they are um you know they are the 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 people that haven't refied already they're either getting out of an adjustable rate mortgage now or they have some cash needs To do some debt consolidation, or they're taking advantage of the fact that they either put a lot of money into their home and it appraises for more now, or the market appreciated and they made a great real estate play a while back. So any refi right now is really the outlier. The purchase business is driving the market 100 percent right now, 90 percent right now.
0: Well, when you say purchase market, I, I think about appraisals, Seth, and. I know that particularly in Atlanta and in Georgia, we have a net inflow of people, which is is good because that means the demand for real estate is higher, really, probably than it's ever been. And so, you know, I remember back in the day, I did a few mortgages with you.
1: Yes, you did. And
0: we, you know, appraisals was a big deal. We kept shortening the term, if I remember (laughs) correctly. I believe so. So what is, talk to us a little bit about what you're seeing in the appraisal side of things, given this kind of nutty. Supply demand imbalance it's going on right
1: well, now. Well, what I can tell you is we're very lucky to be in the Atlanta market. We that's, have had that's what
0: I say. I agree with that.
1: I mean, we are this housing market has maintained it's it's stable if not upward moving. We have not had any or almost zero appraisal issues. We're doing ninety percent of our volume, ninety five in certain months, are purchases and we're not having appraisal issues. That is, I'm, you're, you're talking to a guy on the front line. The values in Atlanta are holding tight. You can't say that about the rest of the country. There are some good markets out there. We're in one. So the key here is we're having, we're, we're, what we're still seeing, if the home is priced right and it's put on the market Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, multiple showings on the weekend and the realtors are asking for highest and best offers on Mondays and it is still a bidding war. It's not the chaos that it was 18, 24 months ago when it was a bidding war and interest rates were under 4%, but we're still seeing plenty of of properties that go on the market and within four or five business days, they have six, eight, 10 offers. The job for us is a numbers game. I've got 10 or 12 people pre-approved looking for houses. Maybe two or three of those 12 Find a house worthy of putting an offer in on a weekend, and maybe one of my three win. So the the real the real trick for us is how do we improve our odds, and how do we improve the odds of our clients to win those bidding wars? And I have I have the answer. What is the? Well, give us the answer. (laughs) The answer is speed. So if you're a seller, the last thing you want to do is tie your house up for a couple of weeks waiting on an appraisal or financing or due diligence period with your prospective buyer. We're able to get things done a lot quicker than the big the, the big banks that we typically compete against. So what we try to do with our realtors is arm them. If they can go get us, if they're going to write an offer and it's going to be negotiated on a Sunday or Monday, we say to them, get us five days. Get us through the end of business Friday for a due diligence period only. You don't need to ask for an appraisal contingency period. You don't need to ask for a financing contingency period because guess what? We're going to get that done in that Monday through uh, Friday five-day window. So if I'm a seller and two offers come in and they're basically the same amount of money and they're going to want to close on the same day, I'm going with the buyer who has the shorter window for due diligence. And, oh, by the way, the shorter window also, they're not even asking for an appraisal or financing contingency. That's how we arm our realtors and our clients the best way we know how to win those bidding wars.
2: So if you're asking for five business days, what's the normal turnaround time for a, a contingency on, on financing?
1: I would say that typically the bigger banks are asking for 14, and they're getting smarter. They're trying to do them a little quicker. Our turn times, we have an awesome set of lenders. We don't actually get to choose the appraisal, or the the appraisers, or the appraisal management company, but we do have appraisal management companies that we see over and over and over with the three or four lenders that we do most of our volume with, and those appraisal management companies are turning appraisals in the metro Atlanta area in your typical, you know, areas of Atlanta in three business days. That's
2: pretty fascinating. I have a question about a first-time home buyer. Okay. Uh, that's nobody in this room, but I know that we have conversations with some of our participants in our 401k plans that are. Are there any uh, uh, incentives out there or anything that they should be looking at that maybe they don't know right away that could help them? Not just qualify, but you know the government's always doing things for a first-time home yeah. buyer. Is there anything out there currently that could help somebody? What out?
1: I'm aware of is so, let's say that the typical non-first-time home buyer. Is going to put down twenty percent. Mm-hmm. Well, the way that the Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac loans conforming, conventional loans, conventional financing goes all the way up to seven hundred twenty-six thousand two hundred dollars. It's a very odd number, but that is that is the pool that is the non-jumbo market right now. First-time home buyers at that eighty percent mark, okay for the non first time home buyer there's an adjustment to the interest rate it's worse than it would be if you borrowed for example 60% but a first time home buyer avoids all of those adjustments so the incentive is basically that you don't have to take an inferior rate despite your down payment on a, as a first time home buyer that's that's really the only the, the only program that i'm aware of there's no pricing adjustment
0: for first time home buyers. That's interesting, very interesting. You know, I there's so many things in the mortgage business that are uh, that are different. You know, if you've never if you've never bought a house and gone through the process before, if you've only gone through it once or twice, there's there's always these things that that you have to think about, closing costs and 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 prepayments and rates and buy downs and there's just a lot of stuff that's out there. And we, we try to advise our clients, you know, with the expertise that we have. And then if we can't answer the question, Seth, we come to someone like yourself. But for people that are listening to this podcast, can you kind of talk to us a little bit about some of the mysteriousness of the, 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 the closing costs and kind of what you're doing to help your clients manage through that some of the, 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 the kabuki yep. that goes on and yep. kind of simplify it?
1: Yeah, so whenever I prepare an estimate, I create three brackets. And those brackets are really who controls that set of costs and who's, who's putting that money that comes from the consumer, from the borrower, into their pockets. The first set of fees are the lender-related fees. And that's going to be an underwriting fee, an application fee, an origination fee, an appraisal fee, credit report fee, Those are really lender-related fees. And and to be honest, we may have a lender that charges $950 for their admin fee or underwriting fee and another one that charges $1,100. But really, they're all basically grouped in a very tight range. Then you have the second set of fees are the closing attorney-related fees. So the closing attorney, and they really work off of book rates for title insurance. Title insurance are the big variables. And, And most of these attorneys in Georgia work right off of a book rate. So the only other fee that really comes into play are their office fees. Is it a settlement fee, attorney fee, and each attorney's you're going to find them anywhere from 350 to 750. The range in these fees might be a little larger than in the lender related fees, but bit, but again, it's kind of a tight window. And then the third set of fees and who gets paid is the state. A transfer tax on a on a purchase. And a sales tax on a purchase or a refi. And those are set. So really, to navigate closing costs, you're really looking at, at, at these three kind of groups of fees. And then there are prepaid items. Back in the day, lenders would charge if you did not escrow monthly for property taxes and home insurance. They wanted the right to earn your to earn your earn interest on your money. You're putting it in every month. They're dispersing it once every 12 months to the county, to the city, or to the home insurance provider. They're earning interest on your money. So they charge you a fee if you said, hey, I do not want to escrow. These days, it's way more competitive. There is no fee from from most of my lenders if you want to waive escrows. So it's really all about, I try to discuss this with my clients with regards to the escrow account. If you're a salaried employee, if you want to, your income is very stable and you want your expenses to kind of be, you know, very stable, then it makes sense to escrow. You're going to have the same exact monthly payment all year. If you're more of a commission or bonus based employee and your income comes in waves, it might make sense for you to not escrow monthly, keep your monthly payment down, and then once a year. Write a check to your insurance provider once a year. Write a check to the county or city for property taxes.
2: I'm assuming right now, since the supply is so limited right now, especially the Atlanta area, that the buyers are the ones having to pony up for the closing costs, right? Correct. Are we still in that environment?
1: Yeah, so what we see is almost no offers get executed with the seller paying any closing costs. But right. do remember... Once you have the home inspected and you're in your due diligence period, the inspection results create another negotiation moment. Mm -hmm. So the inspection comes back and you need a roof replaced. You got some rotted wood. You have a AC that's dated, whatever it might be. This opens up a new round of negotiations between buyer and seller. And there have been instances we see the seller say, you know what, we're not fixing that, but we'll offer you twenty five hundred towards closing costs, five grand, ten grand, depending on the size of the deal. They're more willing once they know they've got a buyer who is very much It's legit yeah. Legit, yeah, legit and buyer. wants to buy the home and they're beginning to get, you know, emotionally attached, we're not gonna kill the deal over five grand we'll pay five grand of your closing costs. So we do see it happen, but not at the initial contract stage. We see it happen a little bit, and when it does happen, it happens at the uh, negotiation after the inspection. That's a very good point. I'm glad you brought that up.
2: Uh, One other question I have for you in terms of the closing costs. What tricks do you have up your sleeve to help a buyer uh, help pay for some of the closing costs if they don't want to write a huge check at the closing table? So,
1: you know... Pricing right now is a little odd. I kind of have touched on this with other people. Um, The lenders in in a normal market, we're their foot soldiers. We're out in the community bringing them buyers, and they pay us handsomely to do so. They're not paying us as much right now. So we like to kind of look at how the pricing looks on a daily basis. It's very different than it was a year ago. And we're also... We firmly believe that we're in an interest rate arena that will improve. It may not improve this month. It may not improve this quarter. It may not improve this year. But eventually, we feel like interest rates are going lower. What I try to do with my clients is say to them, hey, you know what? The very best interest rate is going to cost you a point, and it's in the mid-sixes but, or in some days in the low sixes. Wouldn't it make more sense to not pay that point? I mean, on a $500,000 loan, it's five grand. Let's not pay that point. Let's take the the interest rate that's a little higher and let's keep that five grand in our pocket for things like it's a bigger home. We need to furnish a room that we didn't know we had to furnish. We want to paint four or five of these rooms. There's stuff we want to do to the house when we move in. Why do I want to pay a mortgage company or a lender five grand when that money is better used during my move. It also creates a moment where the interest rates don't have to get much better for us to be able to refi that person. Maybe six months, 12 months, 18 months down the, the road, we reach back to them and say, hey, you didn't pay a point last time. Now it might make sense because you're going to save X monthly and drop your rate from six-point, whatever it might be, down to five-point, whatever it might be. So it's really a math game, and it's also we have to take the barometer of what the what the client feels is going to happen in the interest rate arena too. I've had one person say, hey, I think rates are going to continue to go up, and, and they may go up and up and up. I'm good paying a point now. That's not how I feel, but I'm not going to argue with the person. I, I basically share – that scale with my clients. Here's the rate and basically a scale that shows rate and cost. Mm-hmm. And we do the math and we let them decide which is best for them. Does it make sense to save for you know to spend five grand to save a hundred dollars a month? Break even point is fifty months. Do I think interest rates may get better in fifty months? Personally I do, mm-hmm. but they may not. So they may want that lower payment. It's really a math game. What we try to do is make it give them all the information that we possibly can, certainly give them what we would advise them to do, but ultimately they got to go with
0: their gut and what they feel. Should interest rates affect a person's decision on whether the timing is good right now to buy a home?
1: That's a good question. Um, I personally think that, you know, Certain people come to us and they have already identified the street they want to live on. You know, wow. they are on they're, They are they are for sure want to be in a certain school district. Some want to be in an exact community because of the amenity package. So, you know, sometimes you have someone that is clearly has a clear understanding of what they want and they're not going to be as impacted. I had some I had another guy who was considering Brookhaven and ended up in Roswell. So that guy was all over the map, okay? He was more, you know, maybe he, it might have made sense for him. He, he knew he needed to move because he was busting out of his house, but, you know, he may have, his, the answer for him might have been different is all I'm saying. So what advice would you give
2: somebody who's in the market right now? Um, this is the last question. Okay. Right now. Uh, you know, they're on the fence of whether buying now or maybe in another year from now. Maybe they're worried their rent's going to go up. Um, what would you advise on that at the well, moment? Well, we have that's so many. A, that's a very tough question. Well, to you ask, ha- we have so many, many factors. We I have get so
1: it. many tools at our fingertips yeah. right now. You know, you can sit, on, sit in your office and look at listings that come up and check Zillow out. And I would advise them to to make an informed decision. Um, I wouldn't base it on where they think the market's going. Um, if they wait until the spring. There's going to be, you know, the feeding frenzy may come back. I personally believe that, and I speak to the seasonality of interest rates, okay? I'm taking out COVID years. I'm taking out election years. But in my 20, 20 20-plus years of doing this, interest rates get better after the home-buying season. When's the home-buying season? Well, it used to be Memorial Day to Labor Day because that's when school started. But now school starts It's already started in early August. So the home buying season has been compressed to really Memorial Day to the end of July. And we're sort of out of that. We typically see interest rates improve in non-election years in the fall. That is some
0: interesting intel right there. I speak to the
1: seasonality of interest rates. You know, I, I'm not speaking to yeah. anything more than that. You guys, yeah, no. and the you know, y'all know the economics way better than I do. I'm just more of a statistician, yeah. and I speak to what I've seen happen year after year. Well,
0: I, I want to make one comment in closing here, and that is my very first house I bought in 1994, closed July 2nd. My mortgage went up a couple hundred basis points while we were waiting because Greenspan was raising rates like rapid fire. First mortgage was 8.75. My current mortgage I got at two and an eighth. That a boy. Today. <laughs> today Attaboy. Yeah. Today. A it's today, almost free money. Yeah, it is. Crack, almost. Yeah. Today we're at, what, seven and change? Six and a half, seven and change?
1: Yeah, I mean, we're at, you can get to six and a half Kay. today.
0: The, 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 I think the key thing for everybody to remember that's listening is, is that rates definitely go in cycles. They, they do. There's no doubt about it. So... Uh, you know, we were talking at lunch today. There's an, a little bit of an advantage. I hate to say it's an advantage paying more. The good news about it is there's going to be a refi opportunity at some point down the road. You may have to suck it up a little bit now. Uh, I don't think you're going to have a real shift in price ho- uh, housing prices in the Atlanta market over the next 12 to 18 months. I would months. agree with I just that. don't see a meltdown coming there. But uh, as we wrap up, Seth, tell me uh, or tell our, our, our folks listening here, how, how would someone reach out to you if they wanted to ask you more questions?
1: Well thank you for asking you bet we've got the uh we,
0: interestingly enough we
1: have 123getloan.com which will go right into wow. SE, s e s e like the conference the sec we are s e m t g solutions southeastern mortgage solutions my phone number is 770452 1424, and my extension is 201. We are located right near Abernathy and uh, 400, uh, centrally located for anyone that wants to come see us eyeball to eyeball, but certainly we
0: are uh, fully capable of, of uh, doing applications and everything remotely. That's awesome, Seth. Well, I, I have from personal experience both worked with Seth and used him as a mortgage guy. We've sent a lot of clients his way Super well informed, well connected, great relationships with lenders. Can't say enough good things about Southeastern Mortgage Solutions. So, if you have a need, please reach out to them or reach out to us. I want to thank everybody for tuning into Stacks of Cash podcast. And as always, please remember share with your friends, family, coworkers. Thanks and have a great day.
2: The information in our podcast are the opinions and viewpoints of the moderators and guests only. For information and disclosures regarding Monterey Wealth and its professionals, please go to www.montereywealth.com and select the Firm Disclosures link under the About tab.